All right, joining me as he consistently does throughout the football season, and uh, let's face it, the calendar year. Uh, he is a 94 WIP show producer, probably the hardest working producer in all of show business, and of course the host and the co-creator of the Birds IQ podcast that you can see in here on edgeoffillysports.com. Kyle Quinn joins me. Kyle, how was your Thanksgiving, and welcome. My Thanksgiving, Matt, was fantastic. I stuffed my face. And uh, we watched the Cowboys lose. It really doesn't get much better than that. Absolutely. And I was watching that game, too. Uh, that's probably the only time of the year that I will actually sit down and watch a Detroit Lion game from start to finish. <laughs> and a Dallas Cowboy game that does not involve the Eagles from start to finish. Uh, and what? Uh, before we get into the business at hand, Kyle, let's talk about all of a sudden we see we see this, this kind of thing coming into focus right now. The Eagles have an outside shot. Well, I'm not even going to say the outside. They got a real shot if they take care of business tomorrow at the NFC East, uh, Kyle, how did this come into fruition? How do the Cowboys find themselves in this position right now? Well, yeah, I, I, it's beyond, it's, it's more than an outside shot at this point when you consider that they're only two games back uh, out of the NFC East, which is just, it's amazing. Like you said, I mean, for, for it to be uh, at this point that it is right now is, is just unbelievable considering, you know, where the Eagles were a few weeks ago and where the Cowboys were a few weeks ago, sitting at five and one and we were in, uh, two and five. I mean, it's just inconceivable that something like this is uh, <laughs> is happening. But this is your typical November, or I guess you know December. But it came a little bit early this year. Cowboys collapse, and uh, I mean, I, I know me personally. I was wondering if we were going to see it this season, just because you know they looked like they were a different team than years past. But uh, as of right now, it, that's all. It's all coming uh, to the forefront. I mean, Mike McCarthy's antics are biting him in the ass. And Dak Prescott is starting to look a little bit pedestrian now with, uh, you know, when he's faced with a little bit of adversity, you know, down his top two uh, elite five receivers and uh, the offensive line not making the holes that they were in the beginning of the season. And now you're starting to see Dak uh, struggle. So it, it's it's a great thing to see. And I, I mean, you know, you, you'd like to think or I guess you wouldn't like to think that they'd be able to get it together later on in the season. Uh, but, you know, things are the arrows pointing up for the Eagles and the arrows pointing down for the Cowboys. Yeah, and I told you this way back when the schedule first came out that I went ahead and purchased me them tickets for January 9th because I had a feeling that that game might come down to something. Now, of course, we got a we got some business to attend to before January 9th, you know, and all that. But um, yeah, I'm gonna. You're right. Uh, there's there's another obvious thing in my opinion that that is showing through with the Cowboys. Uh, Zeke Elliott is looks to me like he's cooked. I, I honestly, he has lost a half step. Um, he doesn't hit the hole anywhere the way he used to three years ago. And, nope. I mean, I remember back when the contract first came out, when they first gave him that deal, we all thought it was a mistake. You, you don't give running backs that type of contract anymore in this, in this day and age. Uh, and right now, Zeke is is part of a, a, a big problem right now in Big D. Yeah, and, and you can even see it just if you watch that Thanksgiving game. All you have to do is watch Zeke on a run and then watch Tony Pollard yep. on the same – uh, run and Pollard just looks way more explosive, which is the crazy thing to say considering you know the skill set that Zeke had. But Pollard flies through the hole, and Zeke looks like an old man out there. Yep, yeah, he absolutely does. And as I said, the arrows pointing in the right directions for both of these teams, in our opinion. But before we get there, let's kind of go back in time to last Sunday at at the link. Uh, Eagles Saints, as we mentioned, it was not your grandfather's, big brother's, dad Saints. It's a whole new thing going on out there in New Orleans, obviously. Well, Saints really bad. Well, uh, no. So I guess I would be the dad Saints. I don't know. Uh, I guess it gets a little 
Because if, if I was saying it's my dad's Saints, that means Archie Manning is the quarterback. And oh, okay. so, but where with your dad's, you, you might be looking more like Tony yeah. Brooks. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, you, the Eagles from the very outset in that game really kind of dominated, handled their business. Uh, the Vic Sirianni staying true to what has got him back to this point with the run game. Uh, you know, the defense playing a lot more aggressive. Obviously, Trevor Simeon does not strike fear in anybody's hearts. Uh, the Eagles built themselves a, an interesting 33-7 to lead, or, uh, yeah, it was 33-7 going into the fourth quarter. And then things got a little dicey, Kyle. Uh, we allowed the Saints to kind of get back in. Nick Sirianni, through his own admission, said he went too conservative too soon. Uh, but the Eagles were able to find a way to win that game. What were your thoughts uh, last Sunday at the link? Well, I mean, I was definitely nervous. I had PTSD from uh, the, the Carolina game a few years ago and the Tennessee game. You know, just all of those things are flashing in my head at the time. Uh, and the good thing to me is that Nick Sirianni recognized where he where he went wrong and admitted that he got a little bit too conservative. So that's something that hopefully he should, uh, you know, he should be able to fix in the future, right? He probably will know to uh, keep his foot on the gas for just a little bit longer there. So and when they needed a drive, uh, they pulled one out. Jalen Hurts got him down the field, and he had, I mean, that was just an incredible touchdown run. He, I don't know how that guy actually didn't end up on uh, the IR after what Jalen did to his ankles. But, yeah, yeah I mean, they stepped up when they, when they needed to. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just glad they were able to pull it out. It's just going to be a learning moment for them. Yeah, it was a learning. I, I agree. Now, uh Obviously, let's talk about there's probably a lot to pull from this game, but give me two things that you saw that continue to encourage you about the direction of this team. Yeah, well, uh, the, the one thing and the biggest thing is that they, they have found their identity, right? Like, that's obvious. The, the last few weeks, we're kind of going, all right, are they going to stick with it or are they just going to kind of revert to that matchup-based uh, thing that they were doing kind of in the beginning of the season where, you know, they saw a good run defense and decided they wanted to throw it 45 times? Well, that's not what they're doing anymore. I mean, I think they ran it upwards of 45 times again last last week, which is, uh, I mean, that's our formula right there, right? Uh, and, I mean, all the guys on the offensive line are, uh, they are, it is a damn good offensive line. And, I mean, considering that offensive line play around the league is just generally not very good, uh, this is something that can carry the Eagles for uh, the rest of the season, uh, I think, especially considering the, uh, that they kind of have a multi-threat uh, in the run game there. So they got Jalen Hurts and then like three, four guys that can really run the football. And plus the offensive line is just ripping off like, you know, holes that are about five yards wide. So uh, the run game obviously is, is extremely encouraging. And then the other thing is that you're, you're still seeing Jalen Hurts' uh, development as a passer. I mean, there's still a little bit of bumps uh, here and there. But, I mean, you're, you're seeing him consistently be able to protect the football, which I think is just massive. When, when you're talking about a young quarterback, I mean, you look at guys like Trevor Lawrence and uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. I mean, those guys are just turning it over like they're giving away candy on Halloween. And, and Jalen Hurts doesn't do that. Uh, so that's something that's really, really encouraging to the young quarterback that he's able to protect the football like he does. Yeah, uh, I, I could not I could not agree more with you. And uh, But we do – I think there's some things to talk about when it comes to discouraging. Uh, I'm interested to see what you are still discouraged about with this football team. Well, uh, Miles Sanders obviously still put the ball on the ground. Oh, is, uh, God. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that we we talked about, you know, when we are talking about throwing him back into this mix. We obviously bring up the pros and the cons of doing so. And the, the con reared its ugly head in this game. And, uh, and Almost twice. Know, something, 
Yeah, I, I agree. And my, my two discouraging things are in line with what you said. Uh, my first thing was, you know, when we built that massive lead going in, like literally, literally going into the fourth quarter at the 15 minute mark, uh, they go out on offense and I see number 19, uh, you know, spreading out wide. That's when I, I knew that we had gone too conservative too soon. Anytime J.J. Ortega Whiteside is taking offensive snaps in a game. At that point of the fourth quarter, I, it just did not – it was not a good look for me. Now, I got it. You mean the guy who saved the game? Yes, I, I was about to say that. I know he made the play that kept the drive going and, and led us to that game-icing game touchdown, but I don't care. Uh, he does not need to be coming out on the field. I don't care what the score is until about, the, about three minutes left to go in the game. Then I'm okay with that. Uh, and the other discouraging thing is on the lines of J.J., um, I've seen enough of Jalen Reger. I've absolutely seen enough of Jalen Rager in every aspect of his game. Uh, punt returning, I don't know what the hell he's doing back there. I don't think he knows what he's doing back there. And offensively, he has just played himself right out of the offensive game plan. Kyle, what say you about Jalen Rager? Matt, we are at the unfortunate crossroads here where I think it's pretty plain. Like It's plain to see, and I hate to say it, but – J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is more valuable to this team than Jalen Rager is. Yeah, he and really is. It's just a simple fact. Ortega-Whiteside plays well on special teams. Um, I mean, he can actually – he offers something in terms of blocking when they go out there and put him out there on running downs. Rager doesn't do those things. I mean, you know, I will say I would prefer to see them try and get Rager involved on something that's not a throw five yards behind the freaking line of scrimmage. <laughs> it bothers me to no end that they still call those plays. And, I mean, he, he, Rager's not going to have a chance if, if he's got two guys already behind the line of scrimmage waiting to tackle him when he gets the ball, right? I, I mean, let's be honest. They're not putting him in exactly the best situations to thrive. But the issue that arises there is what are the best situations for Jalen Rager to thrive? It doesn't seem like anybody's figured that out. Yeah. And, I mean, when you reach that point with a player, a first-round player, uh, I mean, it's, it's not encouraging, and that's probably putting it lightly. Now, one last question about Rager, and we'll transition to this week's game. Obviously, with the return of Miles Sanders, it meant Ken Gainwell kind of went on, like, the scratch list. Uh, would you be in favor of sitting or scratching Jalen Rager and bringing Gainwell back in? Uh, you know what? I, I think I would do it, and not for uh, – not just putting Jalen Rager aside for the whole season. But I do think maybe, like, a, a sort of a, a scratching or, you know, kind of like they do in hockey where right. they just bench you to get your head right. Stuff like that. Maintenance you know, day. Sit back, sit back and watch. Right, a maintenance day. Sit back and kind of see the game from the sidelines. You know, just kind of take a break. And, and you know, Jalen Rager's a, a real heady type player. Like you see him all over social media. And he's he's uh, he's a very big proponent of, you know, you need to kind of have your mental right in order to play uh, your best football. And, and, you know, I can I can respect that about any guy, right? You know, the right. mental health is, is extremely important. So if that's something that uh, is going to, you know, not only help the team in the short term, but, you, you know, you get Jalen Rager off the field and you get Gainwell on it, 
then I'm in favor of that. And also, you know, who knows? Maybe it, it kind of sparks something in Jalen Rager. So I definitely would be in favor of doing that for him. All right, Kyle, let's transition. Uh, we start the first of somehow it ended up being like this, but two straight weeks at MetLife Stadium. Uh, today or tomorrow, the Eagles will face off against the New York Giants, who, I, I mean, I, I don't have any um, delusions about this. The Giants are a dumpster fire. The entire organization is going absolutely nowhere but backwards. Uh, Judge, is, Judge will be probably fired at the end of the season, along with probably his entire staff. Dan Jones, who I think is a serviceable quarterback if he had the right coach, just continues to languish and get beat up. Uh, as we get ready to look at this game, um, let's first talk about my favorite topic of the week, and that's, of course, the uniform choices. Uh, the Eagles are going to go with their uh, classic uh, green and white uniforms, whereas the Giants are going to go all white. But the most interesting point about the Giant uniform this week, Kyle, is the helmets. They are going back with a second straight week with the Giants written across the side of the helmet, not the NY. I'm a big fan of the old school giant, giant helmet. Uh, and uh, 80s. yeah, the 80s, Lawrence Taylor, Phil Sims, uh, decade of, of giant football there. Uh, it's just more classic, more NFC East to me. Um, weather out there in MetLife up in Rutherford will be uh, just a very seasonable late November day, 50 degrees of high, uh, partly cloudy, nothing really questionable with the weather. Kyle Quinn, as they get ready to do battle at MetLife Stadium, what is your take of what you might see on the field come Sunday afternoon? Yeah, so uh, we obviously covered all of the things that are going terribly wrong, you know, kind of behind the scenes with the Giants organization. See, the funny thing about the NFL is, Matt, all those things can go on, and they can still beat you on the field. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know what I mean? I, I, I mean, agree. It all just it all depends on how you come out there, how prepared you are. Uh, how you know how much they wanted, how much we wanted. I mean, there's so many different factors, and I'm not gonna sit here and tell you this is gonna be an easy game. I mean, division games are always, you know, they'll be close. And I know we've had the Giants' number; we're like 21 and six against them in the past 27 matchups, which is just absurd. But behind those numbers are are a lot of pretty close games, right? I mean, we don't just simply blow them out every single time we play them. Uh, we, we tend to kind of go back and forth, and and uh, I mean, especially last season, you know, we split the series and. We could have very easily lost the first one had Evan Ingram not dropped a touchdown or Daniel Jones not tripped over the 20-yard line. So, I mean, this is a team that, you know, on paper, we are better than, no question. Uh, but, I mean, look, the, the Giants could go out there and just be desperate and really want a win. So, I don't think this is going to be a breeze for the Eagles by any means, but I do think we're going to come out on top. I, I, I agree. And, but, you know, as, as and we'll get into this a little bit, but trap games and all that, NFC East, divisional games it's just it, you kind of throw everything out the window uh, and right. just kind of buckle up the chin strap and do what you got to do uh let's let's backtrack a little bit i missed the injury report uh for the eagles side of things jordan howard will be uh he's listed as out in this game so i imagine ken gangwell will fill that roster spot uh on the giant side of of, of, of things uh nate ebner the uh, defensive back he is listed as out colin G gillespie who's listed on their injury report as a fullback that he's out. Uh, Sterling Shepard, the wideout, he's out. And Caden Smith, their tight end, also out. Kyle, we, we, we've talked about this week in and week out, and I will continue to talk about it because I'm extremely encouraged by it every week. The Eagle injury report, uh, as clean as it's been in probably 15 years, <laughs> I can't lie to you, as clean as it's been in about 15 years, uh, is that key? Is that one of the keys, Kyle, to a stretch run, a playoff stretch run for the Eagles? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean uh... – 
you're going to need every soldier that you got, especially, I mean, this team is, is, uh, we know what this team is, right? They're five and six and they're definitely poised to make a run, but they're not, they're not overly deep and they're not overly top heavy. So the guys that they have that they're winning with right now, yeah, they need every single one of them. Now, Kyle, I want to ask you something from an insider standpoint, because you, you're more in the know than I am, but there's been some rumors or some, some, some I, in the wind whispers Brandon Graham might come back this year. Is that have you heard anything about that? Are you aware of this this little uh, tidbit of information? I have not heard that. I would have to think, and, I, and of course, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to uh, trash whatever wherever you might have heard it from, but I, I just I don't see that as being very likely. No, you do not. Tore his Achilles. It's in, a nine month injury. Uh, yeah, in September. So I think that would be. I mean, that would be crazy, uh, I think. If he does, that would be an interesting uh, moment. Oh, if, on January 9th, he runs out of that tunnel. That would be way to fire up the crop for that game. Um, <laughs> all right, Kyle. Uh, what are, if any, if you see the Eagles winning this game, which I'm pretty sure you do, what are the three keys to Bird's victory on Sunday? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is they're, they're going to have to be ready, willing, and able to make adjustments on the defensive side of the ball, right? Because we know that they fired Jason Garrett this week. And, and, and you know, there's some addition by subtraction there. But uh, uh, they, they they bring in Freddie Kitchens, who just does not strike any fear in me whatsoever. I mean, he was horrendous calling plays for the Browns. Uh, really, the Giants kind of just needed somebody in-house to fill that role uh, just for the rest of the season. And Joe Judge kind of did it just to save his own ass and scapegoated Jason Garrett. So. Right. Uh, but the, the thing is about that is the Giants are probably going to throw some different things at the Eagles that we haven't really seen on tape before. So Jonathan Gannon's going to kind of have to have plan B's and, and plan C's, uh, you know, kind of just uh, he needs to have them prepared for really a, a ton of things that the Giants are going to be throwing at him. And you know what they're going to do 100 percent is they're going to run the hell out of Daniel Jones because this uh, I mean, Joe, Joe Judge right now is in complete uh, damage control mode. So he's not really tied to Daniel Jones in the future here. If he wants to just run the hell out of him and just, you know, I mean, you know, just without any regard for his health and safety, he's going to do that because he needs to save his own ass. So they definitely need to be uh, ready and willing to adjust and look out for uh, Daniel Jones on his runs on defense. The other thing is on defense, they're definitely going to want to try and get in his face, right? Because Daniel Jones has the same amount of turnovers as he does touchdowns in his career over a three-year span. Um, so he's definitely a guy who's willing to call the ball up for you if you uh, if you give him opportunities to do so. And the Giants' offensive line is as weak as you will find around the uh, entire league. I mean, Andrew Thomas is just a whiff of a draft pick, and, and the rest of the guys are just wet paper towels like they always have been. So they should mix it up a little bit, try and get some blitzes going or send pressure from every which way and, and get Daniel Jones' face, and he'll cough you up uh, a couple turnover balls. And number three? It's really simple. It's just, I mean, just use your identity. Be nasty. Be physical on both sides of the ball. Run the damn ball. Look, if the Saints and the Broncos, two of the best run defenses in the league, could not stop us, and that's saying it kindly, could not stop us because we put up like 200 yards of rush on each of those two teams, we embarrassed them, then this New York Giants defensive line, who I don't know if you watched any of that Monday night football game, uh, the defensive line is putrid yeah. for this Giants team. So they should not be getting to Jalen Hurts, and we should be able to open up the Red Sea for our running backs and uh, get nice and downhill on this team, control the clock, control the game, and get out of there with a nice win. So I got real real simple three keys to victory. Uh, my third key to victory for the Eagles is Boston Scott. Uh, my second key to Eagle victory is Boston Scott, and my third, my first key to Eagle victory is Boston hold Scott. Hold on, hold on. Is it Boston? Okay. It's Boston, Boston Scott. Scott. Yeah, I uh, – 
I've never seen a player dominate a team like the way I've seen Boston Scott dominate the Giants. Now he he's below average to average potentially against everybody else, but he uh, he channels his inner shady, um, you know, uh, Wilbur Montgomery, uh, Deuce Daly. I mean, Westbrook. He he channels all of them whenever they seem to face the New York Giants. And if he does not get the majority of touches tomorrow, Nick Sirianni should be fired for now. Yeah, and I don't know where that came from with Boston Scott, like how, like why he turns it up against the Giants. Like, uh, I don't know, I like, guess much about his upbringing or anything like that, or whether he was a big, uh, I don't know, some fed, somebody that didn't like the Giants growing up. I guess not. It just really surprised me. But he also, you know, the thing is, he, he does uh, well just in the Meadowlands in general. Yeah, uh-huh. had a good uh, game against the Jets there. That's a good point, and uh, of course, we'll get into that next week, but. Uh, you know, have never lost to a team ever before. <laughs> I don't. I hate that. Uh, but anyway, well, that's yeah. that's more to follow for next week's uh, show. So, all right, Kyle. Uh, heading into this week, we both have an identical seven and four uh, record in predicting and predicting these football games. Uh, what do you say for tomorrow? It's Eagles Giants, and what's the score? Yeah, and I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a breeze for the Eagles, but I do think we're going to be able to dominate offensively. I'm going to say 30 to 23 Eagles. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go with Eagles as well. I, I'm still out on this team. I still don't think this is going anywhere soon or anywhere quick. I they're, 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 They can bring me back in by continuously doing what they have to do. And, you know, Nick Sirianni developing, uh, solidifying, I should say, himself as a head coach. But I'm still out. But I'm also not not a fool. And I, I my eyes don't lie to me. I, I don't see the Giants competing at all in this game. I think it's the, the game for the Eagles to lose. And um, I, I like it 34-17 Eagles in, in a in a blowout at a finish type game. Oh, that'll be fun, man. And this city will be going nuts if we route the Giants. Yes, absolutely. And Kyle, who's your MVP tomorrow? Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Hurts guy, man. I think he's uh he's getting better and better every week. I think he's gonna be able to do it both on the uh, on the ground and through the air. So I'm sticking with my boy Jalen Hurts. I'm going to go with Boston Scott. I don't know if I mentioned him at all during this show, but I'm going to go ahead with Boston Scott as my MVP. I think he continues his dominance on the turf at MetLife Stadium. Another big day for Boston. That's my MVP. Kyle, we got to go look around the NFL to do two different places. Uh, Hopefully, uh, if all goes well, we can stop looking in on one of these places around week 14. But uh, let's head out to Indy where Carson Wentz played. He didn't play 100% of their snaps, but he definitely, for some reason, the Colts blew out the Bills last week, so they, they sat him a little bit. He still played about 98% or 94%, which gives him a 98% for the for the season, which means if all goes well, Kyle Quinn, by week 14, or at the end of week 14, we may have that first-round draft pick. Yeah, and we're, we're getting the first, I think. It's just uh, the Colts are they're playing a lot better than they have been in the beginning of the season, and they're, they're – uh, they're a team that nobody, I think, in the NFC wants to catch, or in the AFC wants to catch in the playoffs, and they're just a team that nobody wants to play right now in general. Yeah, and I know that that pick might not be, obviously, top 15. It could potentially yeah, be bottom we'll 20. First. Yeah, I'll take a first-round pick. We could always maybe try to package that for future picks. I don't know, whatever, but you're right. It's all about getting that pick, and I definitely think all systems are go. We will get that first-round pick. Now the other team that we're keeping an eye on, unfortunately, is the Miami Dolphins, who – Played in the, uh, again, a game that I don't know who would have gone to uh, or we even watched. They they, they played the Jets last week. Kyle, how bad is it in Miami right now? I mean, um, how what is the ceiling or the basement for this football team that the Eagles could expect heading into next year's draft? 
Well, they're so Miami's putting together some uh, a, a few wins. Yeah, know, they they are a couple of back to back here. And Brian Flores does kind of get the guys. You know, the guys don't give up on. Uh, I will give them that, and they tend to put together good late season performances. Now, the more the Dolphins win here, Matt, the more we have to start turning our attention to. And this is like, I mean, this is full blown. Like, you know, I'm, I'm being a, a total like nerd here. You got to look at. Uh, the other bottom feeder teams, and you got to root for wins for them, right? So the Miami Dolphins win, but then Chicago wins, bumping Miami's pick back down, right? Yeah. So every time Miami wins, you got to look at the other teams who are kind of around them in the draft, and you got to have them win as well. So you really want a high floor now of bottom feeding teams in uh, in the NFL draft, right? You want like your worst team to have, I guess, like four wins or something. That way, if the Miami Dolphins get six, they can still be like a top five pick. So. Uh, I know we're getting we're getting deep here, but that, that's what you got to kind of start rooting for if you're uh, really rooting for that early pick. Now, is it possible that the, once this all shakes out, you could be looking at maybe the Eagles picking somewhere like 18, 19 with their pick and the Colts pick back to back and maybe the Dolphins pick up around the 12, 12 era? I mean, are we are, they, are we playing or are the other teams playing themselves out of top 10 draft picking for us next year? I mean, you know, it's, I, I, it definitely looks like Miami and Indy are both. I, I don't know if Indy is most definitely not going to be in the top ten. Miami, there's there's still a chance. And, I mean, look, I'm thinking anything from top 15 is, is I mean, it, it's fantastic. I'll take that any day of the week. You I don't know. know. We, kinda got, we got our hopes up a little bit when it was looking like it was going to be three. But, I mean, we just got to, like, we have to just strap in because uh, a number 15 overall pick is still really, really good. Now, I know we are months and eons away from this this conversation, but I just kind of want to throw it out there now. That that scares me if we're going to be picking, like, 15 and lower because that's when Howie will be, try to become the smartest guy in the room again, try to package steals and – you know, we have massive amounts. There, there's no get. We still have massive amounts of holes on this football team that need to be addressed. And, you know, I got it. I understand the situation. But if he starts getting, you know, smelling himself again, and I, I just I, – I like it to be concrete. I like it to be, okay, they're picking four, nine, and and six. And, and that's, that's, that's give me picks. You know, we're going to take those. There's not a single GM in football that, when given those three picks, you are 100% confident that they're going to nail them. That's just a fact. I'm sorry. Well, that fact is a lot more reinforced in this town with this GM. Which well, should... that's what you think, but I did come on here last week, and I uh, told you. I mean, look, three of the last four drafts, arrow pointing up. I don't, I, I don't know what arrow that is or where you're looking at. Again, I know you've talked about that, but I've also countered with the first round pick. That arrow is not even like visible. It's been one. You, you went to one first round pick. Right? One. That, that GMs miss on all the time, all the time. He's hit on one over the last nine years. He's hit on two, three. Okay, two to include Lane Johnson and Devonte Smith. Who's number three? Um, I mean Andre Dillard's a, a solid. <laughs> Hell out of here! All right, Kyle. Again, that conversation more to follow. Carson Wentz in there? He's a bust, Kyle. Where's he at right now? Matt, we won the Super Bowl because we drafted Carson Wentz. And signed Nick Foles. Good draft. <laughs> he was. He's not here anymore. Okay, Matt. Let me, I'm going to 
throw this on your face here, okay? So the Rams and the Eagles both drafted a mistake at number one and number two. When the Rams had to deal their mistake, they had to deal him and draft picks just to get rid of him. When the Eagles dealt their mistake, they got a first-round pick in return. Give the man his credit. That first-round pick is yet to be determined who that first-round pick is and what the outcome of that first-round pick is. Yeah, you're living in fear, bud. I'm not living in – I'm living in reality, man. Okay, well, would you rather have that first-round pick or not? I, absolutely, that's, that's, but – That's the question. But my point is this. I'd rather have the pick, but I'm not I'm not very safe and secure of over who's taking that or who's selecting that pick. That's what scares yeah, I, I, daylights I out of me. I think that the feeling is just a little bit overblown because you put a lot of stock into just the first round picks when you have to look at the draft as an entire body of work. Uh, okay, we uh, and again, Kyle, listen, I agree with you, you. Listen, you're right. It's showing, especially maybe the class of 21 has been a decent pick for him or a decent selection for him. It looks like a really good draft for him. Oh Well, right now it might, but the, the fortunes in the NFL change. It's about sustainability. It's about building a championship here or a championship right. winning so, at, what'd you say? Winning. So, go ahead. Well, a winning culture, right? Right. When we're, when we're judging these drafts, right. And you want to say it's too early to 